Hey there, my name is Julia Anderson. I'm a conversation designer who loves that sound that you just heard. It's the sound of food sizzling on the stovetop. Or maybe it's the sizzle that comes from flipping over food on a grill. Wherever it comes from, it's a fundamental sound of cooking. Before I really started cooking, I thought that it only required your sight and taste. I would normally wear headphones to block out any distractions. But as I cook more, I realized that it uses all of your senses especially hearing. Yes, you must see where all the ingredients are going and taste along the way, but whenever you use heat, sound is essential. For example, how do you know when oil is hot enough to use? You pop a grain of rice in and wait to hear for the sizzle. What about when a piece of meat is ready to be flipped? Or the sound that vegetables make when they have wilted just right? There's even more sounds to watch for beyond sizzling like the low rumble of a simmer into a boil, or perhaps the crackle of a crispy treat in the oven. What I love most about the sizzling sound is the visceral reaction people have to it. Our bodies are hardwired to prepare for food when we hear that sound. Mouths begin to water and our stomachs start to rumble. It's really music to our ears. Hey everyone, it's Nick from Voice Spark Live and all things Wonder Word. So, uh, this month, Ahmed reached out and wanted us to pick a sound that means something to us and tell us why. So, for me, I'm, I'm sort of a, um, you know, a lighthearted guy, so I picked the sad trombone from uh, The Price is Right. So, let me go ahead and play that for you. And the reason why I picked that is because, you know, sounds have to have meaning, right? And um, <laughs> so whenever my my uh, kids do something bad or something funny happens in the world, I'll find myself going, bum, 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 bum. and a lot of this for me goes back to whenever I was in high school because um, – for me, the Price is Right would always come on between 11 and 12 a.m., and I would watch it. And whether I would, if I was sick, it would make me, <laughs> it would make me laugh, or if I was, uh, uh, in quotations, taking the day off, um, you know, it would also, I would also get a kick out of it. I always had to watch The Price is Right, you know, Bob Barker. So uh, this is a sound that I think um, will never get old. And a lot of people can relate to it. And I think it's kind of funny. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. But um, that's about it. So thank you very much and have a great day. Hi, this is Lowell Robinson, senior producer for Voice and AI at KQED. It's now 9.56 a.m. That's my talking alarm clock from 1983. It woke me up for many, many years. Talking time. This unassuming little metal box with a tiny yellow button was my first hands-on experience with synthetic voice. But more than that, it showed me the power of having an intimate relationship with technology by giving it voice. And while talking time isn't as sophisticated as state-of-the-art synthetic voice, it will always have a special place in my heart. Every time I hear that voice, I'm flooded with emotion 
and memories. And it reminds me how powerful sound is for us in that way and how it connects us to our present world, but also our past. Hi, this is Debbie Dahl from Conversational Technologies. Here's a sound I hate, and maybe you do too, even though you might not ever have paid much attention to it. Is that familiar? It's a sound that you often hear when you pick up a spam call. It alerts an agent that someone has answered the phone so that they don't have to wait around while the phone is ringing. The sound actually has a name, VC Dial Bloop, because it's part of an open source uh, call center solution called VC Dial. It's actually kind of useful for the person who picks up the phone because it tells them that this is a spam call and they're free to hang up. But thinking about this bloop made me start thinking about outbound calls. When we think about conversational AI, for the most part, we focus on inbound calls. Inbound calls are typically about customer support, and the customer actually wants the call to happen. Better conversational AI will make the customer's experience with inbound calling more pleasant. But in the case of outbound calls, the vast majority are unwanted and are at best a nuisance or at worst actual attempts to commit a crime. So this made me wonder, as we work to make conversational AI better and better, what is the role of conversational AI in outbound calls? Right now, spam calls almost always involve an agent. Admittedly, it's usually a pretty incompetent agent, but still a human agent. But what if our conversational AI systems get to be good enough so that agents aren't needed for outbound spam calls? That might be a good thing because it could make it socially easier to hang up on obvious artificial agents. Or it might be a bad thing because the number of outbound calls won't be constrained by the number of available agents. I don't have any answers to this, but I think this is an interesting and important conversation that we need to have in the conversational AI community. Hello, this is Roger Kippy from Samsung, and here is the sound effect that I want to talk about today. What is that sound effect? It is from basketball. If you're a basketball fan, you probably recognize it. It means the quarter is about to start or a timeout is about to end. In other words, play is about to begin. All right. I have been a basketball fan since I was a little kid. I used to watch uh, Warriors games or listen to them on the radio. And then I played basketball in high school. And to this day, I'm a big Warriors fan. So when I hear that sound, uh, it means that I am watching a Warriors game, typically something pre-recorded, maybe a couple times a year in person, and it means they're about to play. So that's exciting. The action is about to start. The sport that I love so much is about to start, and I can sit back and relax and enjoy it. Maybe thinking about, hey, I should grab another beer. So it's a simple buzzer. But when I hear it, it really has meaning that something that I really enjoy is about to start. So that is why I really love that sound effect. Hi, this is Lloyd Ford from Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Look, we work with all kinds of companies about gaining attention and focusing their strategy for growth. And you know what? My favorite sound? Hmm. My favorite sound. I didn't even have to think about this because once I experience my favorite sound, 
it has never changed, not one time. It's powerful, compelling, human, and very emotional. What is it? The sound of a baby is a reminder of how important it is to be heard. So go out there and be kinder than you have to be and enjoy whatever sound you love. But know this, we get one trip on the earth, one. Take time to hear others and it could have powerful impact on your life and their life. I'm Lloyd Ford from Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Find out more about us at RainmakerPathway.com. Hello, my name is Emily and I'm a content designer at Willow Tree, one of the hosts of VoiceBark Live and a co-moderator of the Ethical Use Task Force at the Open Voice Network. One of my favorite sounds to listen to is the sound of birds chirping. I believe it's an underrated sound that doesn't necessarily get much attention because we hear birds so often. They're so naturally integrated into our daily lives that we don't really pay attention to them unless we make an effort to listen. Here's a clip of birds chirping. I could listen to these birds for a long time and not get bored. And the reason for that is because there's actually a lot of hidden complexity in the sound. It's really interesting. When you listen to the birds chirping together, it sounds very calming and relaxing. And in a way, it, it grounds me. But when you listen closely, each bird song has a unique tone, interval, rhythm, and cadence. So over time, if you train yourself to listen to the subtle nuances in each bird song, you'll be able to automatically pick out the different types of birds singing based on how they sound without seeing them. I love that the sound is so natural, yet it has so many layers to it. But no matter which layer of sound you're listening to, it's still really enjoyable. That is the sound of my dog, the little miniature schnauzer, Winston, singing. Uh, it's also the sound of him barking at traffic. It's also the sound of him barking when you hold a toy slightly too high for him to reach. It's also the sound of him barking when you pull his tea or breakfast out of the fridge. And also the sound that he makes when anybody comes anywhere near us ever, especially when somebody knocks at the door or even walks past the window or at any point in time when he feels a little bit unnerved. Uh, <laughs> He does bark quite a lot, and 
the bark isn't really a bark it's a complete screech and it makes me feel good and bad it makes me feel bad at the time especially if i'm walking past a little kid who's on a micro scooter and he just lets out this huge screech because he's paranoid about being run over by this micro scooter but it also makes me feel good because i know that he's only doing it because he's trying to watch out for everyone that's around him he's trying to watch out for his family so it is a sound that at the time will go through you like a fork scratched on a plate or a nail driven down a chalkboard because it's not really a bark it is well and truly a screech uh, but that's what makes him Winston and everyone loves him to bits. So that is my sound. I'm Kane Sims, founder of VUX World. And that is what that sound means to me. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? That is the most annoying sound in the world as portrayed in the movie Dumb and Dumber, a movie with Jim Carrey from 1994. Um, To me, when I was growing up, that was not the most annoying sound. There were two, actually. One of them was the sound of chalk on a chalkboard, especially if the chalk had a chalk holder. It was just grating. I would feel the, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, and I would actually pretend to be concentrating by sitting at my desk with the elbows on the desk, my hands on my cheeks, and my fingers stuck into my ears so that I wouldn't hear, or at least it would dampen the sound. The other was the sound of cutlery being put away. And for some reason, I was always tasked with that sound, with, with that ta- with that task of putting away the cutlery after dinner, so much so that I would run away as soon as it was time to clean up after dinner, just so I wouldn't have to put the cutlery away. Over time, I don't know, I just kind of stopped being annoyed by the cutlery sound. Um, it stopped having that same effect on me that would cause my mouth to salivate, my teeth to hurt. Um, but I didn't think about it for a while, until maybe a couple months ago, when my daughter started to say the same thing, that, that she couldn't be in the kitchen when I was putting away the cutlery. And something clicked for me. I realize I'm getting old, in the sense that I can't really hear those high-pitched noises, those high-frequency noises that were caused that are caused when I put the cutlery away. But my young daughter, she can still hear it. And she can feel it and feel the pain. So it made me realize that, you know, things that we find annoying change after time. How we hear things changes after time. And that we should probably take that into consideration when doing an audio design. Those are my thoughts. This is the sound of mobile notifications, and there was a time when I was addicted to this sound. If I heard this sound, I could not stop myself from instantly reaching out and checking my phone. It was not that I was expecting mails or messages from anyone in particular, or that the information that would come in was important. It was just that this notification sound created some kind of urgency and excitement in me. I just wanted to know who had thought of me, what did they want to communicate to me, what if it was something urgent from work, 
and what what would happen if i didn't respond quickly enough and this habit really stressed me then there came a time when not hearing this sound made me anxious i kept checking my phone in case i had missed any notifications finally i developed enough sanity and discipline to keep my phone on silent mode away from me so that i could focus on my work It's only recently I've come to know that alerts and notifications trigger the release of the reward neurotransmitter called dopamine in our brain making us feel good. Apparently many apps use these kind of addictive triggers uh, to get users to interact and engage more with their products. As a human-centered ethical designer Whenever I speak to design teams or to clients I urge them not to use such gimmicks or tactics and avoid building products that users may become addicted to I think responsible design is always about giving users enough information as well as options autonomy and control over the way they may want to use our products Now, don't worry. I'm not falling for that again. I'm not going to check my phone. Hey folks. So, picking a sound that has meaning to me, I've got my own pair of finger symbols. You know, I grew up on an island on the west coast of Scotland, and we moved into this big old dusty house and i found finger symbols in the basement no idea who they came from or how they got there but i was a budding drummer and percussionist and so i snuffled them and now they're mine they look awful they're just totally old rusted metal you can see that they're made by viceroy in england and that's like the only detail that you can make out on them and they're pretty small just 2 inches across in uh, diameter and so these are my symbols i'm sure there are other symbols like these out there in the world but i've had these since i was a teenager and i feel like they're mine and somehow the sound is mine i'm going to play it for you What I feel from that sound is a few things. It's, you know, it's got connotations of like meditation bells and so on, you know. Um I think it's in Buddhism they use a bell that they let ring out and everybody focuses that focuses their attention on that bell and as they hear it decay, it should help them to focus their energies on on the meditation. focus their thoughts or or lack of thoughts on the meditation so it makes me think of that and i'm not a meditator not a buddhist but i get a bit of that feeling from these symbols when i hear it i really love it but the other thing is that i really feel they're mine i feel like nobody else has these exact symbols out there in the world You know, nobody's got the ones with the same little scrapes and dents and dirt and all sorts of stuff which gives them so much character in their sound. And I've tried to record these so many times and you can't ever quite get it right because, you know, the initial attack that's not so hard to record. 
but it's the way they decay. It's like this kind of fizzing, ringing sound that it sort of whistles and it's really pleasant on the ears. And when I've tried to record it, I tried it a few times and, you know, like I've never been able to actually just, you know, get exactly the right sound when I recorded these cymbals. And that's special, you know? When we record, we're not getting, you know, it's not an exact copy of the true event that happened. You're always losing something, gaining something. It's always getting slightly twisted. And it's important to remember that. And these symbols remind me of that. Hi, it's Audrey from Audio Brain, and my favorite sound in the world is the sound of the ocean at the beach. To me, there's nothing more relaxing and nothing more beautiful than that sound. I grew up, even though I lived in New York City, I grew up in a borough that had beaches that were beautiful. My parents met there, and we were near to the Jersey end, so we always went to the Jersey Shore, and we were shore babies. I have a beach house and there's nothing that soothes me or makes me feel more relaxed and more in tune and the cadence of it just inspires me and I like sitting there in the quiet and just listening to the beach and the waves and that's my favorite sound. Thank you. Hello, this is Anibudit Mutlingo, and that is the sound that I love the most, the sound of seagulls and all kinds of beach birds, uh, because the beach is, uh, is my favorite place by far, um, but uh, a, a, a beach without the, without the, the noise of these birds <coughs> isn't complete. With these birds, in my estimation, what they add to the beach is is the fact that there is life, there is activity, um, that uh, that these birds are out there doing their thing, and I love these birds, uh, these beach birds, because they are they're brave, uh, they're fearless, they they are not tourists, <laughs> they are the only ones who are not tourists really, they and the fish, uh, they're there year round. This is their land. This is where they live. This is their their ocean. This is their uh, their sea. This is their sky, and so I, I have a lot of respect for these. Uh, a lot of respect for these uh, these birds, because um, they uh, they sort of tolerate. Uh, not only do they tolerate the the, the tourists, and the folks who come to visit their their land once a year, maybe a few times a year, uh, but they uh, sort of take advantage of them. They make the most of their presence. Uh, in terms of getting food out of them and so on. So, you know, whenever I go to a, uh, to, a, to the beach with my family, as soon as I start hearing the, uh, 
those sounds that feel good.